Welcome to Coached Up, the official podcast of Coaches Versus Cancer. Thank you for joining us. I'm DJ Allen, and it's game time. Welcome again to Coached Up, the official podcast of Coaches Versus Cancer, the partnership between the National Association of Basketball Coaches, the American Cancer Society, and really pumped up for our conversation today. He's the new executive director of the National Association of Basketball Coaches, Craig Robinson. It's been a wild 2020 for you. Just took over the position this summer. What are you enjoying the most about the, your new role? Well, uh, well, first off, off, DJ, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Um, and I'm excited about this new role. And I got to tell you, what you said about 2020 is right. I started on uh, July 15th, and it feels like I've been working for two and a half years. So, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, a couple of the things that I'm enjoying, um, you know, I used to be a member of the NABC uh, when I was still coaching and now to, to have an opportunity to get to know coaches at every level who I've, I've only known and admired from afar uh, and working on their behalf. That's probably one of the things that's at the top of the list. You know, I'm trying to try, I'm still trying to figure things out, but certainly reconnecting with the college game and, and college players and serving in a leadership capacity. That's uh, one of the, the things I'm enjoying the most. Uh, no day is the same as you can imagine, given this pandemic and the challenges that come with that. And, you know, I'm really enjoying the staff that I inherited. Uh, you know, I, I had known those folks when I was a member and now getting to work alongside them has been a real treat. What I love about talking to different leaders is a lot of different backgrounds. Of course, we work with a lot of coaches, but a lot of coaches, quite candidly, have only been coaches. Right. I'm fascinated with your background because most people are going to know you as coach at Oregon State, maybe time at Brown, or they might know you from front offices in the NBA. But you also have some experience in the business world as an executive in, in financial world. How similar is leadership in business to that of leading a team on the court or leading a team in the locker room? Well, DJ, you know, quite honestly, it is very similar, right? Because when it comes down to it, and, and you know this, people are people, right? And, and they're no different. And, and leadership is, in my mind, whether you're a manager or you're coaching a team, you know, you're trying to get people to do what they wouldn't necessarily be able to do on their own, right? right? And, um, and that kind of, of, of a convincing job, um, it, 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 it requires a, a lot of the same things on, from a sports standpoint to a business standpoint. You know, you've got to develop your culture and, and come up with your shared values. You got to set goals. You got to hold people accountable. And you, you have to work on development because you have to develop the people who are coming in behind you. And, and the same is, is, is the case for basketball. Only our job is developing. So, you know, we're spending a lot of time developing our players into what they're gonna be next, whether that's better players, better humans. Um, it is all about development. You're making people better. I mean, you think about, that's what a coach does, 
right, is makes those around him or her better. Now, we know this too in the college game. Sometimes you could have great talent. Sometimes it's harder to get the better talent to come together. It's hard to lead a group of leaders sometimes. Well, now all of a sudden you look at your role. You're <laughs> leading the group that leads a group of leaders. Yeah. <laughs> How does this impact you in your role when you have great teammates who know what they're doing? Yeah, I, you know, that's, that's a great question, DJ. And I will tell you this, uh, it is definitely challenging, right? I'm not going to try and fool you. Uh, every, every one of our members is a type A personality who is either a leader, a head coach, I mean, or they're an assistant coach wanting to be a head coach, right? Um, so they are driven, they're dedicated, they're goal-oriented, single-minded, charismatic, all those all those terms that, that, that come with sort of type A uh, personality and leadership characteristics. But just remember, deep down, these guys, and this is the beauty of, of, of coaching coaches or leading coaches, is that deep down, they are natural born team players. Right. So for the most part, they want to get that part right. Right. And it's it's you know, what I love about working with them is that we'll be in a committee meeting or a meeting and we're talking about things and everybody's uh, got their own opinion and things get heated. And uh, but as soon as it's time to make a decision and you and, and you get everybody's vote, then, OK, that's the way we're going. You know, so it's 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 uh, and I'm early in this. Right. So there's probably still a little bit of a honeymoon effect. So they, they're not sick of me yet. So they're treating me nicely. Yeah, that reminds me of one of the conversations that I really loved that we had with a, a coach. It was a manager, Dave Roberts with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, yeah. He talks about the number one thing that any leader has to understand how to do first and foremost is how to be a great teammate. So, right. So you bring that up with the coaches. They get the power of team. Right. Right. You know, no, right. they really do. And, and, uh, you know, and, and the, the, the second thing right after being a great teammate is as a leader and you're used to talking all the time, you have to learn how to listen and listen to your team. As a coach, you need to listen to your, um, your colleagues as, uh, in the professional world, but you know, it, it, it all comes down to sort of being able to hear, what your team is telling you, even when they're not speaking to you, and then turning that around and helping them be better at what they're trying to trying to do. Let's talk about now how you and your teammates with the NABC are wanting to make your members, the coaches, be better. We know the industry is changing, and it's changed over the past 10, 20 years, and it's changing almost monthly. What yeah. do you see? as some of the challenges that coaches are facing today that maybe a decade ago or 20 years ago they didn't face and how is the NABC helping them with these challenges? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, DJ, the game is, is, is a lot of differences. Right. And uh, I, I think first and foremost, the game is different, right? Players are different. Players are, are better and, and they come to college coaches and come to high school coaches as be as better players than they did when I was a player, right? And so so you have to you have to kind of deal with that. 
Uh, I think social media is a game changer, not to make this a, a pun at all, right? Uh, it is it's social media and the ability for uh, players to sort of get accolades from people who don't even know them changes the way they look at themselves and the way they look at you as a coach, right? Um, and, and, and parents, parents are extremely involved in their, in their kids' lives now, right? When I was young, when you were young, our parents were like, go outside and play, right? Now, most parents are taking, um, they're taking their kids to where they're going and they're hiring specialists to train them. So those are just a couple of things. And, and, and how, how, how the NABC, how I see the NABC helping is a couple of ways. You know, um, we, we really want to be a, an organization that, that educates our, our, our members, right? We wanna, we wanna educate them not only on the X's and O's, um, but we wanna educate them on how to, how to deal with today's young people, right? Communication, authenticity, um, you know, uh, patience, right? Um, and and um, dealing with things like mental health. And um, so, so that was something that nobody talked about when I was younger. Right. Um, we also want to be an advocate for our, for our members, right? So uh, we, we are in constant contact with the NCAA and and the uh, and and what they're doing with regard to the game and coaches, um, and then we we want uh, there to be a real sort of leadership training part for our younger members, right? Where they learn how to lead from some of our more advanced members. So um, you know, those are just a few things that I can see um, uh, how we help our coaches uh, handle these you know, these differences that they have to deal with, with players nowadays. Right. You know, and it's, it's so fascinating, of course, anytime we talk about young people and it's easy to talk about young people because it's just a good example, but sometimes what young people are dealing with the same struggles that, that those of us who may not be considered young anymore still deal with. You think about that. Those of mm-hmm. us in our forties, we may not have had social media training. You know, you bring up mental health and there's something right now, obviously mental health is such a hot button, but it's interesting how social media is very much connected with it. It's not talked about much, right? right. You think about how these, how young people, whether they're athletes or not, are validated through social media yeah. and compared and judged. It, it, yeah, yeah, DJ. It, it's it, it reminds me of you know one of the one of the real um, turning points or uh, teaching points in my life was um, when I, I came home once and said to my mom, you know, so-and-so at school doesn't like me. And she, she, um, she hit the roof. She's, she was like, you shouldn't be worried about so-and-so liking you. You should be worried about people in this house. That's all you should worry about. So your self-esteem is about your hard work and how you treat people in this house. You don't worry about what other people think. And that is now social media has made the, the complete opposite of that, the norm. And it's just so unfortunate for, for uh, these young people because I think it hits them at an early age where they're, they're, they, want the, they want the likes. They want the likes from people who they don't even know. And it's, it's, it, it's a real 
um, it's a challenging aspect of being a leader of young people. And, and then this industry itself, it's even at a heightened level because we're talking about young people who are being celebrated at a, at a very young age. And it first starts really on social media. So that's where they first get the love, first get the validation. And that's what they turn to. And when the hate comes, it's even stronger than when you or I were gossip about at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. The hate comes. And not only is does it hit them hard because it's not likes, it also hits them hard because we um, hold our children accountable in a different way nowadays. So they don't they don't hear anything bad until they see it on social media. Right. And that could be devastating. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's fun talking to, to some NBA guys and, and we'll always talk to them about, do you remember the first time you got the hate? Do you remember? And they can tell you where they were. They can tell you what <laughs> AAU tournament it was, but because yeah. for the first few years, it's all the love, right? It's right. coming. And, and as coaches, we need to know this. And listen, it's not just the guys going to the NBA, you know, it's at every single level and yeah. it should be like, well, it doesn't really matter. It's just someone who at home, they don't know what they're talking about, but it does. It's human nature. Yeah. Yeah. And, and having spent some time in the NBA, I can tell you, and you know, this, DJ, the, the, the guys who know how to com- compartmentalize, they're the ones who have the most success, right? Because they can put that, that it's not that the hate doesn't bother them. They just do a better job of managing it. And, and, and they also, which means they also do a better job managing the love too. So right. they, don't get, they don't get too high and they don't get too low. Mute the noise. And whether it's the young guys, like you have the, and that's what I love about your background. You have the NBA background, but these are the exact same thing that young coaches need to understand because they're dealing with it as well. Exactly. Exactly. That's a, that's a terrific point. Enjoy that. You're going back to your time in corporate America when you worked in the financial world and you were having success there. Of course, your, your passion was basketball and was able to play overseas and but you come in and you're having success now as an executive in corporate America. And then you say, okay, I'm going to chase my passion. Right. And it's not right. about the money. If, if, if my resources or excuse me, if my sources are right, big pay cut and go That's into right. coaching, walk us through that decision to chase your passion. Yeah. So, um, that was, that was a, that was an interesting time for me. And I, I'll, I'll sort of, I, I try and make a long story short, but I, um, my dad who worked for the city of Chicago and he's no longer with us, but he got up and went to work every day and he had MS, right? So he was going to work every day with crutches and sort of, it was, it was hard for him to go to work, but he went every day and that's where I got my hard work from. But he said something to me when I was young, uh, he said, man, if you can ever find a way to do something you love and get paid for it, it won't feel like work. And that always had been in the back of my mind. But having grown up with, you know, parents who didn't have much, didn't go to college, uh, I was I was sort of aimed for the the gold, the gold, the brass ring, right? right. And and so I went right into investment banking after I got done playing. But at <clears throat> at a certain point. Once I saw what you could do in the financial world, 
my my plan changed that in my mind I thought you know what I'm gonna do this until I'm 45 years old and then I'm gonna teach seventh grade and coach high school basketball that was my plan right so how old were you at that time oh man I was like 30 okay right so I was thinking another 15 years and then in in five years so I'm working my way up and I'm I'm doing the thing and I'm, I'm making money and I'm saving it. And I'm thinking about getting my kids through college plan pay. Cause I figured I could pay for my house, save enough money for the kids to go to college. Then it didn't matter how much you made. Right. right. So, but in the midst of all of this going on at about five, at about 35, and I had been coaching youth basketball just to sort of prepare myself for my next career. And the fact that I love doing it, um, I'm going through this terrible divorce and um, and I'm think and it's time for me to move to 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 make the the next step to partner it's time to move and 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 I couldn't leave my kids behind because of the situation so ironically my old assistant coach from Princeton, Bill Carmody, gets the job at Northwestern. And he calls me up and he says, I need an assistant coach. What do you think? And I was thinking to myself, oh my God, this is happening way too early. I'm not ready. (laughs) But I thought about what my dad said. Right. I talked to uh, my, my, my dad wasn't alive at the time. I talked to my mom about it and and sort of just kind of figured what the heck is all this for? It's not saving my marriage or anything. So here's how the actual decision went down. So my kids at the time were, let's call it four and eight. And I was really worried that they would their lives were going to change. But they were four and eight, but I didn't realize that. I was really just, I was worried. So I said to them, I was like, daddy's going to get a new job. And the the first thing they thought I was moving away. And I said, nope, daddy's going to be a coach. And my son, who was eight, said, does this mean that your office is going to be a gym? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I said, almost my office will be next to the gym. And my four-year-old daughter said, is there a pool there? And when she, when, they, when she said that, I was like, done, I'm done. And, and it just goes to show you, DJ, we, we put a lot of thought into why you cannot do stuff instead of why you can. And if, if it wasn't for those two, I might not have ever gotten into college coaching. And that started my coaching career. And doing something doing that you what you love. passion for. And, and listening to dad say that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it, and it turned out to be, be great. It was, it was fantastic. It's been the most fulfilling career that I've, I've had. Um, and, um, and you're right. I took a huge pay cut so much so that the partners at my firm were, were worried that I was going, I was having a nervous breakdown. And I said, no, look guys, I've been thinking about this. I, I just didn't plan on doing it this soon. So you gotta be happy. Not, look like you're happy. You actually have to be happy, right? Chase yeah. your own dream right. for you, not someone else's right. dreams. 
that's 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 powerful and it's it that really that story resonates i appreciate you sharing it because i have a 19 year old and a 17 year old now he's in senior year in high school and that's what i want them to do is to go find a job find a career that you're passionate about yeah. because i was very much like like you you know parents who didn't go to go to college and it was go go find a job Right. Go find a safe job. Yeah. And later on in my career, I started doing things a little bit differently. So I appreciate you sharing that. My pleasure. You've mentioned a couple times and you can tell it's probably number one or 1A when it comes to you and leadership, the need to be authentic. And we know working with a lot of leaders, quite candidly, people struggle with that, but that's how you build trust. Why do you think so many leaders, particularly first-time leaders or young leaders struggle with being authentic? You know, it's, it gets back to what you, something you said earlier is having the um, self-confidence. If you don't have, if you don't have sort of the self-confidence or self-awareness to know that, Hey, listen, you're in this job for a reason, right? And you have to be secure in that. And, and the reason why young people don't have that yet, because they're still not certain because it's the first time. Right. And and there's listen, especially with my with minorities and, and, and young black folks who get in leadership positions, there's there's this thing called the imposter syndrome. And you feel like just because of the way you have come up, what am I doing in this position? Right. What, why am I here? I'm not qualified to do this. Are you kidding me? And you have to get past that and, and understand that, that you've been put in that position because you're the person for that opportunity. And, and someone has, has felt that you can make uh, a difference. And so <clears throat> it's really important for young leaders, I think, to understand that, um, showing people who you are is not a weakness. It's a strength. You talk about imposter syndrome and obviously you've had a successful career and you're a black man. Mm -hmm. How did you overcome that? Well, you know, it helps. It, 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 it helps it, it having parents that I had, right. You know, the, they were, um, they were the type where they never said I had to get straight A's, but they said you had to do your best, which was a really sneaky way of bringing out your competitiveness, right? Because whenever I didn't do my best, they asked me, did you do your best? Well, that's why you didn't get a good grade. And so it, it, it starts there. And then at the same time, they were always preaching that if you can read, you can figure out just about anything. Right. And um, so we read a lot. Um, and and, and I, I, I sort of went away from reading once I got to college because you're doing so much reading for, right. for your, 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 your degree that you, you don't get any ch chance to do any, 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 any sort of enjoyment reading. Um, and then, and then I was fortunate enough to be able to go to a school like Princeton. And that is a place that it, when you come out of there, and even before you come out of there, when you go and you start going to class and you're competing intellectually with those folks, then you start to think, okay, then I can do this. I can do this. 
So that was a that was a big part. And then having gone to Princeton made me feel like I could go on to graduate school. And I went to the University of Chicago Business School. And then I came out of there and I was really confident in my analytical skills and quantitative skills. Um, but the, you still, in the back of your mind, it's like, man, what am I doing sitting in this chair at Morgan Stanley? Or what am I doing sitting in this chair at Northwestern University or at Oregon State or at Brown University or whatever, uh, the NABC? Uh, but you get to a point where now you kind of understand why you're there. So um, it, you're right. It, 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 it is, it is, it's, it's a different road for black folks, but you know, I'm, I'm here to show that it can be done. Now let's, let's jump to there because you have had success. How important is it to you that you have that platform and why? It, it, it is. It, it's really important because I, I, you know, I've always felt that um, I didn't have enough role models in the business world and uh, in the professional world. There are plenty of role models for sports and entertainment, but there's not a whole lot for business. So I, I always felt like that was something that I wanted to be able to give back or al allow people to see. Um, and, and it was the same on the business side of sports. You know, there are not many people of color in positions in sports administration, which is a wonderful uh, career to uh, aspire to. Um, so it, it's really important for me to be visible and really important to be, um, be a role model. And, you know, and it just so it just worked out that my life turned into where, you know, because of who I'm related to, people have gotten to know me and now they know who I am. And so it, it really may, puts me in a position to sort of be, be a, a, a role model uh, or, or a, a, a mentor or a person that people can look to for inspiration. If you're listening and don't know or Craig Robinson, the new executive director of the National Association of Basketball Coaches, he mentioned that relationship, his sister, uh, Michelle Obama, uh, former uh, first lady of the United States. So just in case you don't know, just want to bring yeah. that reference back. Uh, a little bit. Thanks, DJ. I should have said that. <laughs> <laughs> I know in, in your world, most people who are talking yeah. <laughs> know that you've done your listening tour now and you're still going to continue that, but you're about six months into this journey with right. the NABC. What do you want people to know about the future of the NABC? Well, you know, I, I am hoping that um, we can we can develop the NABC into being a transformative influence in our coaches' lives, and thereby that would help coaches be better versions of who they are, and 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 help the folks that we are coaching. Um, that that's sort of the big the big picture goal. Um, I think that. Um, we need to, to modernize, you know, we haven't had a lot of, uh, of, of updating. We need a little bit of updating, um, but we want every single person who wants to coach to see us as a place they can come and learn how to coach and, and learn from our members. So um, that's kind of where I see it. And it's, it's, a, it's a big bite to take, but I think we can do it. 
Craig Robinson, the new executive director of the NABC. You're listening to Coached Up, the official podcast of Coaches versus Cancer, which is a partnership between the NABC and the American Cancer Society. Craig, why is Coaches versus Cancer so important to the NABC? Well, you just said it. It's it's a it's a partnership, DJ, and it's a partnership that has done a lot of of positive things and and we are just so proud of the decades long partnership and the millions of dollars that we've raised together Uh, but as you know the work isn't over until cancer's over and defeated and and the and we 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 the nabc are, are planning on working alongside the american cancer society through coaches versus cancer with you know the, the initiatives that we've had in the past and hopefully we'll come up with some new initiatives. So it, it, it is, that's one of the, one of the, the, the attributes of the NABC that, that needs no uh, upgrading. That relationship is a very important relationship to our coaches and to our organization. You talked about decades long, the millions of dollars, almost 30 year partnership over $130 million that have been raised to support the fight against cancer. What the coaches have done with that platform is absolutely amazing. And it's impacted all of us. You know, it's personal. Craig, how has cancer impacted you? You know, it, it, I'm like everybody else. You know, my uh, uh, two of my grandparents died of cancer. Um, you know, I, 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 I've had friends who've died of cancer. I have friends who who suffered with cancer for a long period of time, so it's 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 I'm like I'm I'm like everyone else. Um, it has been um, one of those things that you have to learn to to deal with. And you know, when I was a member of the NABC, I participated in in you know suits and sneakers and anything that I could do to support coaches versus cancer. Uh, and now I've, I've got the privilege to, to sort of be, to help with the stewardship of that relationship. And, uh, and I'm hoping that, that, that I'm still around by the time we defeat this thing. Okay. There is something about that brand, Coaches versus Cancer. As you can see, I'm wearing a shirt here. And like many people travel a lot and I'll wear different college apparel teams that we work with. And you get some comments here and there. When I'm in the airport wearing coaches versus cancer, I get more comments than wearing anything else because exactly. people understand the brand, but more yeah. than that, it's personal to them. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. They're- this is, this is an, a, a disease that doesn't, it, it affects everyone. Right. And, um, and, and, you know, we, we've all been touched by it and, uh, uh, so it, it I, I tell you, I'm just honored to, to, to be in this position and to work alongside the American Cancer Society and to, uh, hopefully have, keep, keep having a, uh, an impact on positivity and awareness. Well, I do know not only those with American Cancer Society, but all the coaches who are so involved, the coaches on the, the coaches versus Can- cancer council, um, they've seen how immediately, You've been supportive and are just excited about what's to come. So I know everybody's excited about that. So thank you, Craig. My pleasure. My pleasure. Okay. 
It's time to go to overtime. Okay. And then, we, and then we call it a game. We do this with every single one of our guests. Okay. Five quick questions. Very simple. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Question number one. Your favorite athlete of all time. Ooh. Yeah, that's a hard one, but I have to say Muhammad Ali. Oh, okay. I was wondering if there's going to be a Chicago tie with that. You know, there are, you know, so if, if you said top five after <laughs> Muhammad Ali, it would have been Ernie Banks, Gail Sayers, and Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Knew there would be a Chicago, but Muhammad Ali. Question number two. He used to live in Chicago, though. Muhammad Ali did. There you go. There's yeah. the tie. Yeah. A book that had a big impact on you. Oh, that's an easy one. So you, you, you remember me telling you that we read a lot when I was growing up and then I stopped reading because I went to college and, and, and I, I rediscovered reading again with this book, Firestarter by Stephen King. How about that? How about Fire, that? I, I, I picked up that book and I subsequently read every other book he had written up until that point. You know, I'm intrigued that you said that because what we do for a leader or for a, a living with leadership development and, and professional development, like you said, there's so much reading that happens that after a while it becomes part of the job that yeah. within the past couple of years, I've really gotten more into novels. Yes. I bet you have. I right, bet you right? have. Right. Fascinating. Yeah. Question number three. Okay. Three of your favorite movies. Okay. Three of my favorite movies. The first one has to be the Godfather. The second one is Trading Places. And the third one, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but it is one of my favorite movies, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Ooh, I love when we get the wild cards like that. <laughs> love it. Because that, that always gives me something to watch too. Okay. Fourth question. Okay. First concert ever. Oh, that's easy. I, I worked it. So... It was Parliament Funkadelic at Soldier Field in Chicago. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Craig. Final question. Best leadership advice you have ever received? This one was from, from uh, Coach Carrill. Everything is important. Everything How is about important. That? Everything is important. What impact has that had on you in your life, in your career? It makes, it, it has made me pay attention to the small things. He was into the details of how you played basketball. And every time you made a mistake, he would say, everything's important. There's no such thing as a little mistake. It's a, 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 a big mistake. A little mistake is a mistake. Everything is important. Now, clearly you can't go without making mistakes, but it, it is such a simple yet profound idea that it, it, it has been part of my lexicon since I met Coach. Everything is important. Craig, thank you for your time today, for making us better. Thank you for being a part, now leading, being coach of the NABC, such an amazing organization. Coaches are amazing people and they need that support. And most importantly, thank you for what you're doing for the fight against cancer. Well, I appreciate it, DJ. Thanks for having me on and uh, have me back anytime. 
Oh, you're welcome. And everybody, thanks for listening to Coached Up. Remember, life is a team sport. Be great. <laughs>